Welcome to Crab Takes of Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does on our second Victory Monday of the 2019 season. This is TK, joined by Andrew Holly. Holly, how we doing, man? Oh, it's always good on a Monday when the Ravens win on a Sunday. I'll tell mm-hmm. you what, it was it got a little dicey at the end there, but the, you know we've talked for years, or at least I have, about the Ravens needing closers. And we've been always so used to the Ravens having closers on defense. Well, tell you what, I think now the Ravens have some closers on offense. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the blood pressure, heart rate has all returned back to normal at this point. Um, The Ravens win 23-17, to a game that they look to be in control of at least very early on. And, uh, you know, kind of ended up hanging on by the skin of their teeth. Uh, the Cardinals posed uh, a, a bigger challenge than I anticipated, at least. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, like you said, Lamar Jackson and the offense kind of closed out that game and, and did everything that they had to do to uh, to seal the deal. So, you know, we're going to go through offense, defense, special teams. Uh, we'll hand out a game ball and we'll discuss our pop of the week. We will go inside the bank with Mike Long and we'll look forward to week three a big game against the 2-0 Kansas City Chiefs. So, I mean, look, you started talking about it already. Please try to explain what we're seeing here with Lamar Jackson. Just something special. I mean, and that is an understatement. I mean, we are we saw yesterday the first time in NFL history, at least during the regular season, that a player has thrown for over 250 yards and run for over 100 yards. And Lamar Jackson didn't just do almost those things. He did 120 and 272. Here's a player who's pushing for almost 400 yards of total offense by himself, running and passing and not turning the ball over. I mean, just an unbelievable player. We're seeing greatness in front of our eyes at the moment, hopefully there's it's sustained greatness and we're not just seeing a, an early season explosion, but it certainly seems, seems quite for real to me. Yeah, it is. It is something, something wild. I mean, we've, I mean, it's, it's, we've never seen anything like this in Baltimore, you know, like such yeah. a, such a potent big play, high octane offense, whether since it's on I, the ground. I'll say since Johnny, you, I'll be honest, let's be real. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lamar Jackson had 392 combined yards, um, you know, and then minus a couple sacks or whatever. But, oh, my God, like him on the ground, like getting to the edge, he he has put on the extra weight to, like, you know, help deal with some of the physicality of these defenses and the hits that he's going to take. But his ability to beat people to the edge, like he makes it look so easy that you might not even notice how fast he's going. Like defenders, NFL big time professional defenders have to change their angle of pursuit because they know he's fast. But then on the field, they don't know how fast he is, if if that makes sense. Like he's just a lot more explosive than he even looks like he is. So that his game on the ground was unbelievable how he had so many big carries. And like you said, he took the game over with with some of those carries and then you know we can't we can't go any longer without mentioning 
the biggest completion of the game, which was the third and 11 uh, pass down the sideline to Marquise Brown to effectively ice the game. That was spectacular. I, I really can't say anything else. It was, it was spectacular. The throw, you know, it, it wasn't com- now it, it, Lamar Jackson both had time, but he was also under duress as he threw the ball. So even though the offensive line actually, I think did a fairly good job of protecting him on that play and giving him a chance to throw and let the play develop. He still had to, you know, adjust to some defenders in his face throws an absolutely perfect ball, amazing execution from the quarterback. And then, our rookie receiver, who apparently is an all-pro from the start, it finishes it up at the end. I mean, just fantastic pitch and catch. And if this is what we're going to see the rest of the year, we're in for a very good season, at least offensively. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about Hollywood real quick. You know, I, Chris Carter, I, I have an up-and-down relationship with him as a commentator, but it was interesting to see his – um, perspective on Hollywood as a receiver coming from a Hall of Fame receiver is he does a lot of things well for a rookie who only just played his second game. You know, you, if you get him the ball quickly into his hands, um, his ability to make people miss, his ability to track the ball while it's in the air. Chris Carter said, like, not all wide receivers are naturally gifted at that, but it's very, very obvious that Hollywood Brown is. And if you watch uh, the replay from the end zone view uh, of that third and 11 uh, completion, you can see Hollywood Brown kind of tracks that ball uh, closer and closer to the sideline uh, as it's in the air and makes that over the shoulder, over the head catch. So, you know, his ability to track the ball and complete the play is, you know, very, very high level already. And then, you know, his I mentioned that he kind of changes his route, his nuanced route running, I, I think, is something that a lot of people didn't really know about. I mean, they, everybody knew about the speed. They knew about the explosive explosiveness. But he, he is a really nuanced route runner that can really get after the whole tree there, which is part of what makes him so difficult to to guard. I mean, like he, he is he is burst onto the scene with two massive games uh, as a rookie. The other pass catcher that we got to mention, his second straight game over 100 yards, the tight end, Mark Andrews. The Mandrews, another touchdown. He's here to stay, man. He can play, and and he's finally getting his name out. Mark Andrews is a beast. He is an absolute beast. He's been on my fantasy football team the last two years, so I I get the honor of not only being – Terribly excited when he scores a touchdown. <laughs> I have get that double bonus of knowing the Mandrews is scoring some extra points for my fantasy team. No, he's a he's an absolute stud. I think he's going to continue to produce on a week to week basis. Um, you know, and and the same with it, it would appear Hollywood and and of course Lamar Jackson. I mean, it, it was amazing to me how how much Lamar targeted Hollywood Brown. Now maybe he was just a, the guy that was open because. Hollywood appears to be a pretty freaking great receiver and gets open, um, which is such a, a revelation for for Ravens fans. 
Um, so it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. Is that really just Lamar targeting Brown or is just Brown good at getting open, you know, finding that soft spot in defenses. And then we see how good his hands and speed and just completely his ability to be completely electrifying. I mean, there was that one play where, um, you know, they whistled it dead about a second too early because he yeah. got away from the defenders and might have taken it to the house. Um, you know, you think if they had those tearaway jerseys like they used to back in the day, he would have been gone. Um, just uh, pretty, pretty crazy to see how quickly the talents develop him. I mean, not just not just Hollywood Brown, but Lamar and Mark Andrews. I mean, and then Hayden Hurst caught a touchdown. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's still a lot of weapons. I think we were talking before the, before we started recording just a little bit about you were, you were concerned a bit about maybe some of the other offensive weapons that didn't, didn't step up. But I think this is just another way that we showed people, okay, well, last week we, through touchdown passes to what five different receivers or whatever it was. And, um, you know, Lamar Jackson's throwing for over 300 yards and blah, 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 perfect passer rating. You very barely ran the ball. And then now you see what we can do when, okay, well, we, he wasn't able to maybe do what he wanted to do because receivers weren't getting open, or maybe we just focused on the run and that was the game plan. But it was, it was cool to see what we were talking about last week a little bit with that jack of all trades offense that, you know, what, which, which way are they going to go? You pick your poison on what you're going to defend. And I think it's pretty clear that, that the Ravens can mix it up. They did it this week, whether you're going to run like we did last week with Mark Ingram and focus on the ground that way with Ingram and Edwards and Hill, or you just have a guy like Lamar Jackson who just takes the game over. I mean, just, it was, it was exciting. You know, I think, I think, but back to the weapons, I think, you know, you've got, Hurst still performed well, I think. He obviously had the touchdown. I, You know, Boykin, his couple targets didn't go as well as I think we would have liked them to go. Um, but other than that, the, the other receivers were fairly absent. But you know what? I think that's – who were the other receivers? Seth Roberts, right? I think, you know, he he had some time, I think quite a bit of time, if I recall, that I saw on the field. Um, you know, so that – found that interesting. You know, I don't know if Chris Moore – be interesting to see the snaps. Do you have the snaps in front of you, actually? As well as yeah, while I I'm do. Thinking out loud. Yeah, Chris Moore only had seven snaps. Uh, Willie Snead had forty-four, which was fifty-six percent. Um, and Seth Roberts had twenty-seven snaps, which is thirty-four percent. So, yeah, we kind of saw Chris Moore disappear a little bit, and I, I wonder if there was some sort of, um, you know, technical tactical thing there. But I mean. Marquise Brown, after 14 snaps last week, up to 51 this week, which is 65% of the snaps. So big-time increase for him. Um, You know, he continued to produce. But that, that, you know, pick-your-poison thing was really, really exemplified on uh, the Mark Andrews touchdown pass because um, right before Lamar looked down the field, there was a fake swing pass designed out to Marquise Brown in the backfield and you see you can see on that fake that three cardinals defenders bite on that fake and they try to come up to make the play on brown because he had already established himself in the game 
But then that allowed Andrews to leak down the sideline, and he was as wide open as could be. Completely wide open. Yeah, and, and you know, that's exactly what you're talking about. Like, hey, if you want to stop Marquise Brown, you can see what he can do after the catch. So, you know, you better have guys swarming to the ball. If you have guys swarming to the ball, then, uh, look, Andrews is going to sneak down the field. So, it's, uh, I mean, that was the really, really well-designed play. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but... Um, there's, uh, you, you know, you you even you even heard uh, Lamar Jackson talking about after the after the game. There are some plays that they left on the field, and and I think that's certainly true, and and that's uh, you know things to work on and improve on. But I mean, last week aside, it's not going to be completely perfect. Um, there is going to be some misplays and things like that. So you know, how do you overcome that? And the way that he overcame it was, you know, using his legs, you know, what he was supposed to be limited to. And he used that to his to his advantage uh, to convert first downs, to continue drives and uh, really contribute again to, you know, something that we've talked about so much since Lamar took over was the time of possession. So that'll that'll prove key as we go forward as well. It will. I mean, it. it... I mean, Lamar Jackson just does so many things well right now. I mean, he's not turning the ball over. He's running the ball with such effectiveness and throwing the ball with such effectiveness. It makes our play action passes. Not only the the, fake bubble screen or, or whatever it was to Marquise Brown that you mentioned before, but just the standard play action. Because they don't know if Lamar's going to keep it, run with it, or keep it, throw the ball, and he and now we actually have people to throw the ball to when they do do play action. So it's it's a it's an actual threat for opposing teams to in the to have a passing game or to use our passing game, and it's God, it's refreshing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is damn refreshing to have a good offense. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I mean, now I know with like, you know, Saints fans and Chiefs fans and Rams fans yeah. and all that, you know, they, they can see these all these long passes down the field, yards after the catch and things like that. I mean, it's it's pretty fun, man. I, I can't say that I hate offense. I mean, I, I think I'll always be a defensive guy. But, you know, when your offense is putting up yards and points, uh, can't complain too much. The um, So last week on the bulletin board, you had our offensive line. Uh, specifically the tackles, Ronnie Stanley and uh, Orlando Brown Jr. against uh, Chandler Jones and the returning Hall of Famer Terrell Suggs, or uh, I'm assuming he's a Hall of Famer, right? But oh, how do you, absolutely. yeah, how, how do you think they held up uh, against the two big time pass rushers? I think quite well. I think especially Orlando Brown. Um, I think played very well. Now he had a few penalties. I think, you know, the offense in general had some penalties that were bad, but, but that said, he acquitted himself quite well, um, against, against Terrell Suggs. I I think, uh, you know, it it was interesting. Some of Suggs comments after the game, just being like, this is one of the weirdest games I've ever played in kind of thing. I think was, was generally the quote. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, he made, I, I expected T. Sizzle to at least have a sack. I was worried he was going to have a couple. Um, so I I was very pleasantly surprised with with uh, 
how well Brown played. And that, that wasn't, you know, expecting Brown to not play well. That was just expecting, you know, sizzle to just come out really fired up. Um, but yeah, that was, that was important to see. I mean, we need those bookend tackles to be what we hope they will be for this team to be the offensive force. It's showing is possible. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Suggs ended up with three uh, combined tackles and uh, Chandler Jones had one and one pass defended. So they were, I mean, at least box score wise, they were, they were nullified. I think, you know, for, for the Cardinals to go from the worst rush defense in the league to what they did yesterday, I mean, outside of Lamar Jackson, and I know like you can't just throw out Lamar's stats, but on like more, I guess, traditional runs um, from the running backs, you know, you had Mark Ingram, 13 carries for 47 yards. That's 3.6 yards a carry. And Gus Edwards for three, three attempts for 11 yards and Justice Hill for one attempt for four yards. So, you know, they, they did a pretty good job in the run defense. And you got to think that Terrell Suggs has a lot to do with that because of his uh, ability to set the edge and things like that. But I mean, do you think that's more of a, Ravens struggling to run the ball with the running backs or, you know, where the, where the Cardinals just locked in or, and, and that defense is just a little bit better than we thought. I think it's a, it, it's probably a little bit of the latter. Um, but that said, I think they probably decided they were going to queue in on the running game. What mm-hmm. they couldn't do was contain Lamar. You know, they, they decided we're going to make Lamar beat us. And yeah, I, I think that's they they decided, OK, we're going to we're going to test and see if week one was a few a fluke with the arm. Let's key in on the running game. And, you know, hey, heard Suggs speaking of Suggs after the game, talking about Lamar saying, man, he's turned into a pretty great quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, he was good when I played with him last year. But now, damn. Because you know, you know, Suggs was giving him them everything. Yeah. On Lamar Jackson, like here's how you beat him. Here's what we need to do. Here's what he was like in practice. Whatever. <clears throat> so, you know, they had intel. Now, granted, it was a year old or six months old or however you want to put it, and Lamar was still able to beat him. So I, I do think it was more just they picked their poison and. They picked wrong. Yeah, yeah. I no, I I think you're absolutely right. And you know, like I said, you can't just throw out Lamar's rushing uh, performance. But uh, e- even with that in mind, you know, I I kind of mentioned this before. The time of possession, like something that's become very important to both the offense and the defense, uh, is is winning the time of possession battle by quite a lot. And that definitely happened yesterday. And as much pressure as the Cardinals were putting on us in the second half, especially uh, later in that third quarter and um, and the fourth quarter, they only had the ball for eight minutes in the second half. And that is astounding to me because I always felt like they were driving somehow, but they only had the ball for eight minutes in the second half and 22, uh, just about 22 and a half minutes in total. So the Ravens had the ball for 22 minutes in the second half, and they had the ball for 38 minutes 
over the course of the game. They dominated the time of possession. I think a big part of that, you know, that that has to do a lot with the defense. And I, I think it's uh, their performance on third down. But again, the, the ability to run the ball uh, with Lamar or with Mark Ingram and, and convert third downs on the ground proved to be a big time, a big time uh, positive for the Ravens. And, and maybe the one thing that I will say about the Ravens offense that I wasn't totally happy with uh, was the red zone offense. They went one for three. Uh, in the red zone, settled for for field goals the other times. Uh, but I'd like to see them a little bit more efficient. I know it's not going to be 100%, but would like to see them a little bit more efficient there. Yeah, there's no question there, there are areas in the offense that they need to clean some things up. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, we'd, we'd both like to see the penalties go down. I'm sure, I'm sure John Harbaugh would feel the same way, you know, I'd like to see, you know, as as we talked before, I think we'd both like to see the, uh, some of the other wide receivers get involved a little bit more. But, you know, hey, it, it, not everything's going to be clicking, like we've said a couple times, you know, for 59 points and <laughs> pretty much mm-hmm. having a perfect day on offense. That's just not the reality. So that's the nice thing about this week or about this offense, I should say, is mm-hmm. is that Swiss Army knife. You know, next week against the Chiefs, you know, uh, let's say it ends up being Hayden Hurst's coming out party, you know, and he ends up with, you know, three touchdowns or something crazy, you know, in the red zone and, you know, or, or Justice Hill has a big game with a couple, a couple breakaway runs. I mean, it'll be interesting to see from week to week, you know, if, if that does change, if we're just seeing the new triplets of, you know, Lamar, Mark Andrews and, and Hollywood Brown, or are we going to see, some of these other guys trickle in and take over a game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you ready to flip it over to the defense? I think, you know, a little bit, (laughs) some concerns maybe on the defensive side. Yeah, maybe, maybe just a little bit. So I think overall, I kind of mentioned them earlier. The biggest thing for the defense yesterday was, third down efficiency. They only allowed uh, three of 12 to be converted. I think that was absolutely massive because you end up forcing those field goals in the red zone instead of giving up touchdowns. And that ended up being the difference in the game. So if, if we're going to start with a positive on the defense, I think it's got to be the third down efficiency. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a bend don't break kind of a day, you know, for the Ravens defense. I think they got lucky here and there. Um, I think, I think, uh, you know, they, they made things hard on, uh, on Kyler Murray, but not as hard as I would have wanted them or somewhat expected them, you know, against a rookie quarterback. I mean, let's face it, he still threw for 350 yards. So he had a pretty damn good day, um, against a, a Ravens team that, you know, historically against a rookie quarterback at home, especially earlier in the season, you know, they, they tend to dominate. So it was definitely disconcerting to see, you know, a rookie quarterback, regardless of how talented Kyler Murray is, he's still a rookie and an old man like Larry Fitzgerald basically dominate our DBs. He is immortal. Larry Fitzgerald will 
play football until the National Football League closes. I don't understand how he does it. Yeah, and then they've got Captain Kirk. So you know they've yeah. got they've got two pretty amazing figures on their offense. You know to go along with uh, Kyler Murray right now and. Yeah, um, I, I wasn't real, you know, I mean, look, and again, you know, maybe this is a learning experience. I was reading a, a little bit earlier about how uh, Larry Fitzgerald and, and Jefferson actually talked a bit after the game. And I guess Fitzgerald pointed out a couple things to uh, to uh, to Jefferson, like, hey, you know, look out for this on this play, probably the. Uh, 54 yard play maybe Mm -hmm. um but you know so that's that's cool at least i uh you know but uh it does make you a little nervous that you know Tavon young's not coming back Memphis hurt now you start to get a little nervous that we're going to kansas city next week and now before i before you say it Jalen Ramsey's requested a trade. <laughs> Minka Fitzpatrick's requested a trade. Hmm. What do you want to talk about, TK? Okay, we'll, we'll get back to those guys uh, very shortly. But I will say, 17 points, not the worst we could have done. I, the, the Bears last year led the league in defensive points or allowed on defense and they were at 17.7 per, per game, right? So 17 points itself is not bad. I think the other the other kind of underlying issues that we saw were a, a few big plays allowed. And, and on on the five biggest plays, I think the common denominator there was that the, Ra- the Ravens were running zone each time. And, um, you know, the, the Cardinals were able to very easily pick that apart. And it's, you know, if we're running zone again, it's it's – Kind of easy to imagine what what an offense like the Chiefs would do. So, I, you know, they got to clean up the zone by very very strong strides uh, going forward, especially going in, into Kansas City. You imagine that they're going to be playing zone at some point. You know, you can't play man to man on those guys uh, every play, especially with a slightly depleted corner group. But uh, definitely got to clean that up. Seventeen points again, not all that bad. The Kind of disappointing part to me were that our safeties didn't really seem to have an impact on the game. I thought Brandon Carr in the slot corner position, I thought he was really good. I, Marlon Humphrey had some ups. He had some more downs, um, you know, so maybe not his usual high caliber uh, play. But I thought the safeties just didn't really make an impact on the game, which I was kind of disappointed. You know, both of them played so well in Miami. I thought they would kind of carry that momentum uh, into this game, especially when they knew that the ball was going to be in the air a lot. You know, the the Cardinals run that air raid with four wideouts and the safeties knew that the ball was going to be in the air a lot and, and just seemed like the secondary couldn't make a play on the ball. So now maybe let's get back to your point. There are a couple guys available who can make plays on the ball. And they are, like you mentioned, Jalen Ramsey, who earlier today uh, says he wants out of Jacksonville. And the news from last week was that the corner, Micah Fitzpatrick, uh, who the Ravens burned, but is a very good player because he posted a really solid grade against the Patriots. 
even though they got blown out. He wants a, he wants out of Miami. So out of the two, you know, as players, as fits, as what we would have to give up to get them, who would you rather see on the Ravens? Well, a lot of it for me, I, I, mean, I mean, as as we've texted, I really don't see the Ravens making a move like this. And the reason being are, are all the statements that Eric DaCosta made last year not having a second round pick. Now, of course, that second round pick is because we got Lamar. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anyone right now should be bemoaning that we traded, you know, a, a second round pick you know, to move up for Lamar when we did. So, you know, you obviously take the good and the bad with, with, with things like that. I wouldn't want to trade more than about a third round pick uh, for either. Um, I don't think that's probably going to get either one of them. Um, but that's probably as high as I would go, certainly for Fitzpatrick. I know that's probably, you know, he's probably worth more than that. Ramsey, I just look at as a player that, look, he's obviously fantastic. I think he brings some obvious, you know, locker room issues to, to, to the table. I think the Ravens are a team that could probably deal with that okay, maybe. Um, but, I, you know, I... I I would rather bring a guy like Fitzpatrick in, I think, than a guy like Ramsey. How about you? I'm yeah, I'm a little back and forth on this one because, you know, it seemed like, you know, Tavon Young goes down and like, oh, man, we need somebody in the slot. And that's exactly where Minka Fitzpatrick fits in so well. But we just saw Brandon Carr ball out in the slot. So do I mean. You know, do we do we push him back outside and let Minka Fitzpatrick work in the slot, or do we just let? I mean, not let, but like, do we bring in uh, a guy like Jan, Jalen Ramsey who can kind of follow a receiver around? He, he's comfortable playing on both sides in the slot anywhere anywhere we play him. He's going to be comfortable and he's going to be really good. Um, you know, he will, he will be. But then, but then I guess I look at it this way: at some at some point, at least at at this point, we think. Jimmy Smith will be back. Mm-hmm. So who goes on the bench at that point? I mean, I guess you say, okay, well, Jimmy Smith does. If you, if you've got Marlon Humphrey and, and Ramsey as your outside corners, but I just feel like, you know, they're just trying to think about how the Ravens would think and, and thinking that Ramsey is, I would think at least, Despite what I've just said, I think in in real trade terms, I think Ramsey is certainly going to be more expensive than Fitzpatrick, I would mm-hmm. think. Um, especially considering the Jags maybe still want to be contenders this year. Um, so I I don't know, man. I it, it is a tough call when it comes down to it. I think I just see. I think I just see Fitzpatrick fitting in better because they'd say, okay, we can move him into the slot. We have the versatility of Carr. Carr can still slide back over to the slot when Smith is back if we need. You know, I'm just, I feel like that that would probably be what they would lean to if they wanted to be. Because to me, I think the cost for Fitzpatrick is even going to be, you know, more 
I, I just think it's going to be cost prohibitive. I just really do. Yeah, yeah. And, and like all these questions, I think that's probably the reason the Ravens don't make a move. I think Fitz, a guy like Fitzpatrick would probably make more sense because of his contract and things like that. Um, you know, a guy like uh, Anthony Levine, I believe, is going to be a free agent after this year. Jimmy Smith is going to be a free agent after this year. So a guy with that corner and safety type of versatility would provide more value. You know, he's got four years left on his deal. So if they were to go after one of them, I think it would be Fitzpatrick. But like you said, I think the Ravens are going to stay where they are here. I don't think they're going to make any moves because, you know, like you said, Jimmy Smith is coming back. And then at a certain point as well, the depth gets a boost again because uh, Iman Marshall is coming back too. And he's another big bodied corner rookie, obviously. So don't really know how he'll fit into any type of scheme if he's forced into action. But that is another quality player that they do like uh, that would be that would be reinforcing at some point this season. So, yeah, a lot of talk about the the secondary, I think, you know, OK, here's a hot take for you. The the Cardinals ran that that four wide out scheme quite a bit. Right. You know, and we needed our secondary to be on the field every single snap. You know, if, if you look at the, the snap counts and things like that. Now, the Chiefs can do the same thing with guys like Sammy Watkins, McCall Hardman, uh, Demarcus Robinson, DeAnthony Thomas, even like guys like LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams. But they like to use their tight end more. And, and you know, he's the best tight end in the league, probably, is, is Travis Kelsey. And, and, and as crazy well, as it at sounds. At least until the end of the season. Let's well, yeah, and then and then the managers will, will overtake will be, him. Uh, because I mean, I think we can both say we believe we know who the best tight end of the league is right now. But the right. wide perception is certainly right. Travis Kelsey. I think I, I think that goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my point is, the Chiefs like to use him at tight end. That means they'll have to take off one of the wide receivers, which kind of fits into the Ravens personnel a little bit better. So if you look at the snap counts, um, Anthony Levine was only on the field for six plays yesterday. There was no Chuck Clark on defense, no Brendan Trowick on defense, no Deshaun Elliott on defense. So they were running a whole bunch of corners out there, but didn't get to use that talented safety depth that we have. And if we are able to mix in those talented safeties that we have, and I just mentioned the group, that also allows us to rotate the corners on and off. You know, so so that secondary secondary gets a little bit deeper because of the personnel that we would be able to match up. Then that makes everybody a little bit fresher. So late in the game when you know, you know, Mahomes has the ball and then they're checking the ball down the field, a little bit fresher bodies in that secondary. And I know that it's crazy for me to want Travis Kelsey on the field, but I think it does play into what the Ravens are more comfortable defending. Is that crazy? Yeah, it it, it, it might might very well be crazy, PK. Uh, you know, I, I generally don't trust any of our linebackers, certainly, to cover Kelsey with any regularity. I worry a little bit about our safeties. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, aside from 
you know, obviously Earl Thomas. I don't know that I, I would take anyone else, uh, you know, other than maybe Marlon Humphrey um, against Travis Kelsey. So I don't know. I, 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 I worry quite a bit about Travis Kelsey. I don't think I want to see him on the field if we can. If, if we if we can somehow make that happen, you know, not not trying to injure anyone, but you know, I, I hope that does happen. Yeah, I, it's just like those four wideouts posed a problem. We saw that against the Cardinals. Yeah. The four wideouts that the that the Chiefs can run out there are just as fast and just as explosive. So if we can get some matchups that we might like a little bit more. You know, and and like that's that's when it kind of falls apart for me. Like, how do you look forward to a matchup against Travis Kelsey? But that's the theory. That's my hot take, and I, and I think I'm gonna stick with it. And if I think of any other good points to make uh, in there, then I will do so. But I think this is a better defense when Anthony Levine is on the field in that dime safety linebacker kind of spot. And I do like him, and I do like Tony Jefferson against you know in in man to man against uh Travis Kelsey. I think they would provide the most resistance. I'm not going to say that they're going to stop him, but they would now, provide the most who resistance. Who are you taking off the field in the front seven when in your preferred lineup? Who are you um, taking off the field for Levine? It would end up being Board or Kenny Young. So okay. so Peanut would be the one uh linebacker on the field and and you know, he did struggle a little bit in coverage yesterday, especially on, on balls in, on which he had to go back. You know, I think he's really good coming forward, but where, where he struggles is going backwards a little bit. So that's where I think having a safety who's used to flipping his hips a little bit um, would prove a little bit more, you know, a little bit more effective. That's that, you know, that's that's what I'm going with uh, to kind of talk myself into not uh, not being too down on the secondary. I like it. I like the positivity. <laughs> I like the positivity. We'll just stick with that. Yeah, yeah. So, did you have any other notes on on the defense? And you know, the pass rush was kind of consistent. You know, you got got a few sacks of Murray. Got got a lot more quarterback hits. You know, um, was, you know was, this was, isn't necessarily just a uh, defensive note because he's just amazing. But just I, once again and. Big ups to Patrick Ricard on a great, great game. I mean, yeah. offensively and defensively, I think I it, early in the game, I think speaking of Chris Carter, he hadn't really done his homework because he was like, wait a minute, why is 42 playing defense? You know, <laughs> and and so obviously he hadn't read up the fact that the Ravens have a two way player in uh, Ricard. But uh, but yeah, I, I think that's, you know, that's that's really my biggest note. I mean, I think. I think, look, just like on offense when, you know, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson mentioned, you know, hey, there were plays I want to want to have back. Same thing for the defense. I mean, it's not going to be perfect every week. They were still they were still able to pull out the win. It was definitely more of a bend, don't break kind of day. But, uh, you know, they still made plays when they needed to. And, uh, hey, like like you said, they, they made plays in the red zone. They. They, you know, the Cardinals had to kick field goals rather than scoring touchdowns. And typically when that happens, the Ravens should be able to walk away with a win. For sure. So let's let's go to our segments here. Oh, special teams. Sorry. Pretty good. Pretty good outing by the special teams in, in all the way around. I mean, Justin Tucker was, you know, 
Justin Tucker, he hit 50 plus, a couple more field, a couple of field goals for him. Cyrus Jones had a nice return. Uh, you know, he's he's. Uh, I think he's making you eat some crow here. Cyrus Jones is pretty good so no, far. No, you're right. I was actually going <laughs> to mention it myself. I mean, he had a very good game. You know, my biggest problem with Jones isn't necessarily with his return game. It's more that we're relying on him so much as a slot corner at this point. I think he played. How many snaps did he play defensively? Do you still have that that page open? Yeah, he was he was nine snaps. Is that it? I felt like I saw him on the field more. I guess that's because I get nervous. Every time I see his number out there, maybe that's why. Uh, but yeah, he had a he had a really good game, really nice twenty five yard return. Um, you know, hey, everybody else ho hum. Justin Tucker with the fifty one yard field goal. Um, you know, I hey, you know, it's 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 the Ravens. The Ravens special teams is uh, stellar as usual. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Big big part in the win. Um, Especially, especially the great Justin Tucker. So now let's get to our segments. The game ball. I'll let you start. I mean, you've got to go Lamar today. At least I've got to go Lamar. You went with Lamar last week. We're probably going to end up flip flop flopping this through the rest of the year if we if he continues to have the season. We hope he's going to have. What more can you say? Two hundred and seventy-two passing yards, two touchdowns through the air, another hundred and twenty rushing yards on the ground, uh, 16, 16 carries, just total domination from one player. I, I think we're all going to see that, you know, by the end of the season, God forbid anything happen that would, would ruin that health-wise. But I think if we're going to see, if we see Lamar Jackson healthy and 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 Playing like he is right now, it's going to be pretty pretty clear by the end of the season that he's one of the best, if not the best, mobile quarterbacks that has played in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. I mean, cannot go wrong with Lamar. I am going to go with the his tight end, Mark Andrews, the Mandrews. Eight catches on nine targets for 112 yards, his second straight game over 100 yards, and his second straight game with a touchdown. He added some big-time third-down conversions. He and Hollywood Brown have become the go-to guys on this offense. They they commanded uh, 22 of of the total targets yesterday. So Mark Andrews is such a weapon. You know, that continues to be such a tough matchup for defenses is how do you cover a tight end these days who are becoming so athletic and so good at receiving instead of just staying on the line and blocking. And, so, and tight ends that jump over people. I mean, yeah, it's yeah like the hurdle, too. He hurdles people. You know, I mean, you mentioned the targets, man. I mean, nine targets, eight receptions for 112 yards and a touchdown. I mean— that's pretty efficient when you target Mark Andrews, I would say. Um, yeah, what a game by him. What a game. Yeah, he's a beast. He's, he's big time for sure. Um, so now let's do pop of the week. You know, there may not have been too much that stood out um, of this game, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to Mark Ingram in the fourth quarter right before the two-minute warning. He had a bruising run along with some other bruising runs earlier in the game, but this one in particular, he was driving through defenders, bouncing off guys. People were just falling off his shoulder pads, and uh, he got down close to a first down, and eventually 
uh, the Ravens ended up icing the game right after that in victory formation. So that is our pop of the week. So now we are going to go inside the bank with a friend of the program, Michael Long. So for new listeners, um, Mike is a season ticket holder. He goes and tailgates before every game. So he gets the full game stadium experience every Sunday when the Ravens are at home. So let's go over to Mike and see what the energy was like inside the bank. All right. Now we welcome in Michael Long, our good friend, recurring guest on the podcast for our uh, segment Inside the Bank. And basically what we try to do here is get an inside look into what it was like at m Bank Stadium during the game. So, Michael, welcome back. Uh, good to have you back. And, uh, you know, if, if, for the new listeners, maybe try to give us a, a little insight into what game day is like for you. Yeah, so uh, I live downtown right now, so we try to get over – over to Lot H, that's where we have our you know, parking pass. So we throw a little tailgate over there. So we get out there around like 9 o'clock. I think the gate's open around 8.30, but we try to get around 9 o'clock. A good time before the game. Make sure we get in there by kickoff. You know, obviously, you try to stay in for you know, as much as the game as we can, and then we try to go out and celebrate the win a little bit afterwards. Um, used to live over in Fed Hill, so we ended up over there. Had a good time celebrating win number two. And then, uh, yeah, man, it was an awesome day. Yeah, so that's an open invite to the tailgate for everybody out there. Absolutely. Um, just bring, bring your own beer and uh, should, be, should be good to go. That's right. Um, so once you did enter the stadium, you know, we, we were just chatting a little bit. You, you were particular, particularly surprised. And something that I didn't really think about is that uh, no tribute video for Terrell Suggs. I mean – what surprised you about that? Did, you, did it seem like most people were anticipating something to that nature? Well, I know I was. It just seemed he's, – he's a Ravens Hall of Famer. He's going to be in the Ring of Honor. He's a borderline Hall of Famer. I know we've talked about that. And he played his whole career here. He's getting a little swan song out in Arizona. But I just thought it was interesting that even before the game or in a timeout that they didn't do a video or anything or just try to show him on the scoreboard so he can get some applause. Unless I missed it, but – uh, I certainly didn't see anything. I asked some other people in our section, and it didn't seem like they did a video at all. I know that seems like it's commonplace in like the NBA and in the MLB now. I think the Orioles did it with uh, Manny Machado earlier this year in his first game back. And well, Manny certainly had a little less of a career here than Terrell Suggs did. So I, don't know, I was just a little surprised by it, but maybe it's just a little gamesmanship, a little Orlando Brown Jr. No handshake during the game, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's uh yeah, that is surprising just because of his longevity and how impactful he was uh for the franchise and and you know, Super Bowl champion and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, a, a little bit surprising, like you said, maybe a little bit gamesmanship. Um, you know, the the players certainly showed him a lot of love, especially after the game, you know. So so I guess at least that was good to see. Uh, I wonder, maybe I wonder I wonder if it was a little something behind the scenes maybe that maybe things didn't end on as good of terms as we thought. I don't know. Right. Right. I mean, he did kind of just disappear out of nowhere and he just signed with the Cardinals randomly. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, maybe front office not so happy. But, uh, yeah, maybe there's more to it than we know. So another another mainstay that we that we uh, Holly and I talked about on the podcast a couple weeks ago was Bruce Cunningham, the uh, PA guy, uh, longtime guy in the Ravens um, in, in m Bank Stadium. So what was it like without him there? 
So it was definitely different. I, I was going into it, like trying to anticipate there being a change. Cause I mean, obviously since they've been playing at MNC bank stadium, I think Bruce Cunningham has been doing all the games. Uh, he kind of has his little, like his third down call was something mm-hmm. that like, I can, I can hear right now. So yeah. I believe we the new guy is the Naval Academy announcer. So he's just coming up the road a little bit, but he was, he did fine. I thought it was a little different. He had like an elongated it's third down and he kind of would hold it until the crowd got going, but it was, it was unique. It's kind of like um, when the new announcer at the Orioles game started working a few years ago and he had the kind of unique little JJ Hardy intro. So I guess it'll take some getting used to, but it was, uh, it was all good. Definitely different though. A little stadium, uh, different stadium experience this time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, change is always tough to deal with. And, and of course we get, we hope that, you know, Bruce would be around forever, but, uh, you know, it was time for him to move on, but yeah, new I, era. I hope this guy, yeah, exactly. I hope, yeah, new era. There you go. Um, I hope that, uh, this guy kind of has his own fingerprints on the game day experience. Cause, uh, yeah, it's always tough being the guy that comes after a legend. I mean, yeah, you the can ask down, Ryan Miner. So yeah, you'll have to you'll have to listen for the third down call next time. It was pretty like, it was very different, very unique. I liked it. It was cool. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll give I'll give it a give it a listen when I can. Um, so you know, one one of the main things we try to do is in this segment is get a pulse for what the crowd was like and. You know, the Ravens started out hot, and I'm sure the the crowd was, you know, 100% behind the team. But in that second half, when the Cardinals started to put a little bit of pressure on and hung in the game, uh, you, you said that things started to started to turn a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, everybody came into Sunday morning. I mean, even at the tailgate, everyone's still riding that high from week one in Miami. And then they get off to such a hot start, they roll right down the field and score. And you would have thought... Lamar Jackson could do no wrong and it kind of put us back against the wall a little bit in there in that second half you could start to feel that little bit of like anxiousness out of the crowd it was not nearly as much as the playoff game against the Chargers but you could kind of feel a little bit like okay like let's get moving like like, we got to figure this out and we're kind of stalling a little bit on offense fortunately our defense kind of kept us in there big stops in the red zone but it was interesting, like, it just kind of switched really quick. I don't know. I, I feel like people are still getting used to everything being different. I don't know. It's just a – it was very different. But then, you know, he comes back down on that last drive, third and 11, huge throw to Hollywood, and it was as loud as I've ever heard it. So, Yeah, yeah, that was that was the high on, on the day, um, you know, decibel-wise. The, you know – the slogan for the game was uh, every decibel counts and, and they, they released a uh, Instagram post that said over 112 decibels. It was, was at that moment when, uh, when Hollywood came down with it and that was the loudest of the day. But, you know, can you give us a sense of like the overall intensity of the crowd? Like, you know, how was, I mean, if you, if you go from the scale from like preseason intensity to AFC championship game intensity, what what did it kind of feel like in that second half? So the, the home openers are always pretty sweet. I mean, it, it's always loud and rocking in there early. I mean, they didn't give us too, too much to get all that excited about in the middle of the game. But I'll tell you what, in the end of the fourth quarter, when Kyler Murray was backed up against the uh, the end zone that was right in front of us, I think he even said after the game, it got loud as hell. 
Um, mm-hmm. And he's, I, I mean, he's never experienced anything like that at the pro level for sure. But it was, it got really loud for those last two, three and outs. And then for the offense to re- respond like that and have that huge throw. Um, I mean, it was as intense as a game against the Arizona Cardinals in week two could be for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they hung in there. I think, I don't think the yeah, they really well. anticipated that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, mean, I, I certainly I certainly didn't anticipate, especially when we got up early, I didn't think that they were going to be able to hang in with us. And credit to Kingsbury and credit to Kyler Murray, because he kind of tore up our secondary a little bit, especially when we fell back. I don't know if we were doing what we used to do, but we fell back into that zone and he just started to pick us apart a little bit. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, credit to him. He made a lot of good throws. He, uh, he seemed like he could ball a little bit. He can play, man. Yeah, I mean, he like... When, if you've seen it on TV, I guess he just looks so tiny back there, but he can really play. And he's it, quick, I mean, too. He, yeah. We yeah. had a, we had, I, I, I did rewatch the clips of just his throws, and we had pressure in his face almost every play. And for mm-hmm. him to kind of evade a lot of that and at least just get the ball out and get the ball out well a lot of the time was pretty impressive for, for a kid in his second start and for, you know, as much as he struggled in that first half of the first game, he... Uh, He's responded pretty well, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't know if you guys noticed it in the crowd, but it seemed like he was really good at avoiding getting hit. I mean, yeah. was that something that kind of frustrated you guys out there? You know, like, oh, man, like, you know, we should have really taken him down hard there. Could well, you guys he, tell that from the, from your seats? Yeah, it even started at the first play of the game. Judon got a free release right off the edge, and he just didn't even touch him. He just mm-hmm. ran right around him. I mean, you can tell he's quick. I didn't know he was that quick. But, yeah, definitely very impressive. I thought our defensive line, while they didn't get to him, they were all over him, right in his face the whole game, too. So, I mean, credit to him for having as many completions as he did. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to do that all year. That offensive line is not very good at all. But yeah, um, I would think they go offensive line in the draft for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, you know, go, going from from our home field advantage, you know, we got the Chiefs next week. You know, you got any things that you're you're looking out for? So, I mean, we got, we went out there last year and gave them as good of a run as you could have. I mean, we had them almost the whole game. Mahomes got a little hot in the fourth quarter. They took us in overtime. Lamar got hurt, I think, at the end of that game. I expect more of the same from our offense. I think that their defense is a little bit you know, I think we could do some damage against their defense. It's nothing that anything special. It's just going to be on our secondary and on our defense to get pressure on Mahomes. But they're going to have to play a better in the secondary than they did against the Cardinals if we want a chance. Because, I mean, if you think Kyler Murray's good, Patrick Mahomes is a totally different deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Reigning MVP. So it's going to be a tough one for sure. So it looks like you got about a month until the next home game here can we expect you at the yeah week four let's week four. see week four never mind i looked at the schedule wrong okay week four browns at home that should be a fun one baker oh, yeah. mayfield coming to town i think the i think the crowd will be ready to rock for that one i've had that one circled on the calendar for a long time i hope they <laughs> hopefully we can go into that two and one they play the rams on sunday night so i would be very surprised if the Browns win that game and would be ahead of us in the schedule. But I mean, that's a, a critical AFC North game, especially with Big Ben going down and the Bengals being the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that'll be one that we will definitely check in with you afterwards. Any last things to add for us? That's pretty much it. Looking forward to Week Four. Hopefully, we're uh, two and one back here. We'll get 
get after it again. All right, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. We'll we'll talk to you after the Browns game. You got it, man. Go Ravens. All right, man. All right. Thank you to Mike. Uh, he will be back for the remainder of the home games for us, so we'll always get that look inside. So now it is time to look forward. Big time matchup as the Ravens in week three travel to Kansas City to face Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. We all know what they are. They're going to present a huge challenge, especially offensively. What are, I mean, man, what are the keys to this game? Score, score, and score some more. I I, I don't. I, I don't really I mean I'm sure we're we're both, you know, putting defenders on the bulletin board for next week and whenever we get to that, but I you know, I I'll preface that whole discussion with let's be real. This isn't gonna be a week where we need to say anything about the defenders. We just need to go out there and score points and, and let it let it fall where it may defensively. You know, they they're gonna need to come out, you know, this is where you know, in some respects, I, you know, we're, I'm going to stick with the defenders, but I should have put the offense on the bulletin board because they need to really be the ones to to come out on Sunday and play against this Kansas City Chiefs team in Arrowhead. You know, it's not not a uh, easy task by any stretch of the imagination. And now they're, you know, now they are as good as they are, you know. So, yeah, they... We just need to go out and score. I'll leave it as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, the Ravens are going to have to put up points. Uh, field goals are not going to cut it this week. You got to improve that red zone efficiency. Got to punch it in uh, because you know what? The Kansas City Chiefs are not kicking field goals. I mean, you saw no. it. I mean, if you see some of the highlights from that game, Patrick Mahomes threw three touchdown passes in the span of five completions. Um, none of them shorter than 27 yards on a third and 20. He threw like what, like a 42 yard touchdown to Nicole Hardman. So even without Tyreek Hill, who's a big time speedy receiver, this chief's offense is firing on all cylinders. Um, early in the season, you know, they face the Raiders who may not have presented the most resistance, um, early on, but, uh, Man, like this, this this Chiefs offense, they can they can do it all. I mean, they're they're fairly efficient on the ground as well with guys like LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams. You know, those two guys are a little bit banged up, but they also have Darwin Thompson, um, who can uh, who can play too. I mean, he's he's a shifty little guy, uh, but uh, you know, not little. He's a shifty guy uh, with some power as well. So, um, look, they they can play at every spot. You know, they did have uh, Fisher get hurt on the offensive line. So maybe that is a point of weakness that can be exploited a little bit. But, yeah, they're going to put up points. There, there's no way around that. You know, 17 points is not going to happen again. You know, we're we're panicking about the performance uh, uh, giving up 17 points, and, and mostly because of the way that we anticipate the Chiefs being able to exploit that. But um, I, think, I think the time of possession, again, is going to be huge. Can the Ravens huge. establish the run uh, and complement that with the pass? Time of possession, keeping Pat Mahomes on the sideline is the best case scenario for the Ravens. Yeah, it it, it really is. I mean, it, this game is is really on the back of Lamar Jackson. 
I mean, here we go, Lamar. You know, game three, this is your coming out party. This is the game right now that this is, you know, in some respects, the biggest game of his career right now. I mean, because because of the matchup, because of the because of the attention that's going to be put on this game. This is the first big test for Lamar. Um, you know, now that he's matured, I mean, obviously last year he and remember, remember last year the Ravens very well could have won mm-hmm. in Kansas City. That was a game that easily, if a couple things have, had gone their way, that could have been a Ravens win. So now you've got Lamar who's more seasoned, understands what the hell he's doing now as an NFL quarterback. Obviously right now he's he's hot. You know, so okay, it's another prove it, prove it game for Lamar. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then you know, kind of on the other side of the ball, the Chiefs worked really hard this offseason to improve their defense. Uh, that was where they were lacking last year. So they added guys like Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark. Um, you know, some pretty big names. So you know, it, it, they're they're a pretty complete team. You know, there there's no real way around that. And you know, that's why they're. Uh, considered one of the favorites to go to and even win the Super Bowl. So this is going to be a really good early test for this team. And, you know, I, I always I always say, if you, you know, if you're if you're going to be a good team, you have to beat good teams. And, and you know, if, you, if you're not going to beat the, the Chiefs here, then, you know, I guess it depends on how you feel about moral victories. You know, if you play well on the road in a super hostile environment early in the season, then I think there are positive to be taken from that, you know even if you don't win. But you, how much composure do they have on the road? Um, you know, that Dolphins atmosphere, probably not the most hostile in the world, but you know the home field advantage that the Chiefs have in Kansas City. So that's going to be a, a big-time test uh, for both sides of the ball. And one more, one more point about the Chiefs before we move on to the next bit. You know, I, I think like I think that's a great point. You know, this is really a, a, a team-building game. For the Ravens, you know, if what this can't be is a blowout, what this can be is, you know, 35 to six, you know, and at, at the end of the first half and, you know, we just totally get destroyed and, and outclassed. There's nothing to be gained from that. But like you said, we don't necessarily have to win the game, but if they can show well, show some metal. You know, if that if, if it's a back and forth game again, and the Chiefs win in overtime, yeah, I'll be disappointed, but I'll, I'll be pretty, pretty, I think, confident. I would imagine in Lamar's ability to bring us to to enemy enemy territory and perform in a tough spot. You know, so I think there's there's a lot to be gained from that. The spirit of the team. Or, or just learning a little bit about themselves and, and okay, how are we going to pick each other up after this tough loss? You know, it can't be it can't be a game where, like I said, the Chiefs just blow them out. That that will just suck. You know, but to make this a, a worth it loss, if they were going to lose, they need to make it. Uh, you know. It, it needs to be competitive. But that said, I want to see the Ravens, you know, I want to see the Ravens up 35 to six because they just totally dominate. I don't anticipate that, but that's what I'd like to see. <laughs> Lamar looked good in Kansas City last year. It's not like he played poorly. Yeah. So 
you know, there is that other element that like maybe this that home field advantage isn't too big for him. Yeah. You know, he he did look good. The defense was obviously very good. A lot of changing pieces, things like that. But I think Wink Martindale is going to have some some tricks up his sleeve, especially getting back to his personnel that he prefers. Like I said earlier, getting some of those safeties out there. But, you know, the the Chiefs opened up as six and a half point favorites today. And I, I, I feel like that's a little bit too much. But again, this is a quick strike, big time Chiefs offense. Uh, they they put up points very very quickly, in in situations that you might not even anticipate them going for a, a big play. They just go for it. So it, it's going to be a big time challenge for the defense. I think the offense will 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 show well again. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's definitely going to be definitely going to be a very interesting game, very tough game uh, against one of the league's best teams. So now let's move to the bulletin board. Um, who are you calling out who's got to get some bulletin board material? You know, I'm actually throwing, throwing a quick, uh, quick audible here. You know, I kind of talked myself out of who I was going to choose as we were just talking about the chiefs game. I'm, I'm putting Lamar Jackson on the bulletin board. He is a fabulous player. I love Lamar. And now this is a game. He's got to prove it. This is a, this is a big time game against a big time team. It's Lamar. Lamar's time to shine. It's the Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes show. And I think Lamar's going to put up his end of the bargain, but it's put up or shut up. So let's go, Lamar. You're on the bulletin board for this week. So do you anticipate Lamar versus Pat Mahomes for the next 10 years being, you know, AFC rivals and things like that? Because that would be awesome. It would be, and I think if last year was any indication, I think we're going to get that because we we had a guy. Now, okay, take the playoff game out of the equation. That that ended up being a little bit a little bit too big for Lamar. I think at the end, but that game against Kansas City, you're right. He played well. It wasn't too big of a spot for him. You know, the Ravens very well could have won that game. And, hey, why not? Why not again? And why not with a victory this time? So, yeah, I, I think I think it's very possible that this is the next John Elway, Dan Marino, you know, matchup that that you hope to see every year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So for for my bulletin board material. I mentioned them earlier in the in the podcast, but the safety's got to show up. You know whether it's Levine and Jefferson man to man on Travis Kelsey, or if it's Earl Thomas uh, playing center field and, and cutting down some of these big time plays. These guys got to show up. They they didn't do enough for me uh, against the Cardinals after having a really nice performance against the Dolphins. Um, this is a big time challenge. Earl Thomas, this, these are the types of games that we brought him in for, to play center field, to control the deep ball, to show his range and, you know, really, really l- try to limit what Pat Mahomes can do down the field and up the seam. So Earl Thomas, Tony Jefferson, Anthony Levine, Chuck Clark, you guys are on the bulletin board along with Lamar Jackson. So, you know, we, we've talked through last week and we've talked through the Chiefs matchup. Let's get to a prediction what are you thinking here? 
uh, as the Ravens travel to Kansas City? I'm thinking it's going to be a wild one. I think it's it's not going to be a whole lot of defense. Um, I'm going to be positive about my prediction, but I think it's it, it's not likely the Ravens are going to come out with a win. But I'm going to say they win a wild one, 43-37. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's... That is a wild one. Probably a lot of back and forth in, in a score like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that the I think that the Chiefs have a little bit too much firepower right now. And in the event that there's another matchup between these two teams uh, in the playoffs at some point, we're going to have Jimmy Smith back. And uh you know, I think that changes the Jaylen dynamic. Ramsey at the other corner. Yeah, you know. and Minka Fitzpatrick in the slot. Yeah. We're just going to get you all know. of them. We're just gonna yeah, get, you anybody. Know. I, I think Cover that does change. Exactly. And, and you know, on the other side, the, the Chiefs would have a guy like Tyreek Hill back. But I think that kind of changes the dynamic of the defense quite a bit um, because, you know, you got a, a guy like Anthony Averett out there who – you know, he's a solid player, but I think he still has a little bit of growth uh, to do, a little bit of growing to do uh, to become a, a mainstay on the defense. I think they that might be a guy that the Chiefs try to go after a little bit. Um, so I, I, you know, I think the Ravens lose. I think they just are just a little bit short right now. Uh, but I do think that the offense plays well. I think the defense kind of struggles a little bit. Um, you know, based on that six and a half point line, I think the Ravens probably cover. So I'll go with um, I'll go with the same score as last year's game, twenty-seven twenty-four. Chiefs uh, will will uh, squeak out of there with with the win. Um, but again, it, it'll be a game in which the Ravens have a lot of positives to take from. Um, so you know, while it may be a loss uh, on, on the stat sheet, you know, there's a lot of growth that could come from a game like this. Um, do you have any last thoughts before we sign off? Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if the inactives change at all, because I think, you know, we were talking on, I think it was last week we mentioned, you know, were we, were we surprised at the three rookie inactives and same thing happened this week. I think we're seeing a, a similar development curve that we did see with guys like Paul Kruger. You know, because there definitely are rookies. You've got to come in and you've got to know how to play before Harbaugh is going to put you in. Um, it's pretty clear once that once the starting whistle goes on the season, you know, it, your, your draft status isn't going to mean a whole lot. So even though Jalen Ferguson is the sack daddy, you know, he's not, you know, that doesn't mean that much to Harbaugh. Um, so it'll be interesting, I think, especially with a guy like Ferguson, you know, do they try to find a way to get him in there to give a little bit more pass rush against the Chiefs, figuring they're going to be airing it out most of the game? Um, I don't know. It's something that it's something that I find intriguing from week to week. I think you're right on the nose about activating Jalen Ferguson, and it's because of that injury to uh, to Fisher. And, you know, if you want to challenge him a little bit early on with some bull rushes, uh, which is Ferguson's specialty, 
just to test him out, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're coming after you. You know, he's a really good player, obviously, but, you know, coming off that injury, are you really ready to go? And, you know, to get an extra bull rushing pass rusher there, that might be Jalen Ferguson's opportunity to get activated. That's a great point. I mean, I, I, I think it's definitely definitely a good possibility um, and, and just something to generally to keep an eye on from week to week, even if it, you know, even if it doesn't mean, you know, they're necessarily going to be a big part of the game plan. It's, you know, I, I still find it interesting to see which, if it really ends up being one of those holes you know, I mean, we we read about how, you know, Powers, for example, didn't really have the training camp, you know, they had been hoping for. And yet he was still in the mix for the starters. But, you know, it went to Bozeman and that all kind of seems like a fairly standard decision by the Ravens. And, you know, obviously 2020 in hindsight, considering who we both thought were going to be the starters game one. But, you know, it. it Harbaugh tends to do that. I don't know. It tends to be his thing. So I, I think it's surprising for for us that, you know, all three of those players, especially when you add in Dalen Mack, um, I think Mack has been the biggest one out of the three um, in some respects, even more so than Powers, of not being active yet because I feel like he was so disruptive in in preseason. Um, but then I guess we also have the most depth probably between Pierce and, and Williams, you know, and, and, and the interior defensive line. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing those guys in action. I do think that Ferguson is going to be the first guy uh, of those uh, to get out there. Actually, I've got oh. a couple, one, other, one other point that I think we need to mention, and just generally about the AFC North, is Mr. Ben Roethlisberger. Mm. For considerable amount of time and possibly a career at this point. There are a lot of people in, in Pittsburgh wondering if now that Big Ben is out for the year, does that mean he will call it a career? So interesting, interesting things going on uh, with our biggest AFC North rival. So will will that AFC North rivalry with the Steelers quickly go to the Browns? If it's, the Browns start becoming the team that everyone thinks they may become. It's certainly possible. We'll see what the Browns do tonight, uh, because if they lose, all of a sudden the Ravens are 2-0 and and everybody else is 0-2. And, yeah. uh, you know, you know, you got to go through Baltimore for that division. So, yeah, I mean, kind of surprising news about Big Ben. Uh, we'll see how Mason Rudolph does. I mean, from from everything I've read that and, and from how he looked yesterday – I mean, annoyingly, he actually looked pretty decent. So, you know, yeah. So maybe maybe that drop off isn't as drastic as we would hope it would be, uh, you know, for our for our rival there. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Big Ben is a huge loss for them. You know, obviously, a no and two, not the start that they anticipated getting off to. And one one final point before I let you finally sign it off (laughs) is, you know, it'll be. Interesting to see the 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 moves some of these teams start to make with these quarterback injuries because now you know the the Steelers traded Josh Dobbs just a week ago you know and now they lose Ben Roethlisberger for the season so they're a whole their their quarterback depth just went down the toilet then you've got 
Um, the Saints, who, you know, have lost Drew Brees for a considerable amount of time. And not just the Saints, but my fantasy team has lost Drew Brees for a considerable oh, amount of time. So, you know, what are some of these teams going to do? Not everyone can pick up potentially a Jimmy Garoppolo like I can off waivers. That's certainly not there for the Saints. But do they make a move? Do they find some depth? We were talking last week. Would you trade RG3? I don't know that I would because just the double-edged sword of having, you know, that fifth-round pick or whatever it was that the Steelers got for Josh Dobbs. You know, certainly no Kari Vedvik, but hey. um, You know, would that be worth then, you know, the next week having Lamar go out and then we have to depend on McSorley? I don't know. I don't know anymore. You know, it both... It both makes me intrigued by the possibility of some team coming after RG3, but it also makes me nervous and go, well, wait, this is why we have RG3. We need to keep him. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, as the injuries keep piling up, it'll be interesting to see which, I mean, they tend, like, teams tend to find some random, random free agents out there to play backup quarterback. It'll be interesting to see which direction the Saints might go because they do like having Taysom Hill in some not ideal situations for a backup quarterback. So if they bring somebody else in to be the backup and allow Taysom Hill to stay in his role, who's that going to be? You know, I, I, I think the Steelers already brought in somebody else, and, and I forget his name, another just random dude. But, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, RG3 becomes ever more important as we see these starting quarterbacks go down. Yeah, no question. So with um, that, I will let you sign us off, TK. All right, everybody. It was a great week two, a little bit, a little bit of a nail biter, and uh, now we'll go into week three with a big time challenge uh, for Andrew Holly. I'm TK. This was Crab Takes in Football. Go Ravens. Go Ravens.